One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good morning to you. And certainly the weather is taking a turn and a there's a real winter feel about it. I was out this morning de icing the car and I haven't done that in quite some time. So and looking at the forecast across the week, it's going to be quite chilly indeed. Uh, but I suppose we're into the end of October. But that's the kind of weather that we expect at this time of the year. A very good morning to you. You welcome along to the programme on this Monday morning. Bernie is taking your calls at 1850 You can text her WhatsApp 086 2103 103. And I was thinking what with how chilly it was this morning. I was in Dublin on Saturday. Can I just firstly give a mention to that? I was in Dublin for the event that was organised by the Office of the Ombudsman for Children. They had this fantastic event in Croke Park called Beyond Limits 19 and it was empowering young people with disabilities. First summit of its kind. It was from what I could see of it, hugely successful uh, and I'm hoping that they w- will repeat and it will become an annual event for young people with disabilities because it was terrific to see role models, people who have disabilities, who've gone into adulthood and they've faced all the same problems that young people today with disabilities are facing uh, but they have turned, you know, they have, have, have gone on to lead very, very successful lives and it was wonderful to see some of the amazing Paralympians who represent this country. Uh, Mark McKillop was fantastic. Uh, there was also a young um, a young woman uh, by the name of Eileen Keane and other of the Paralympians the wonderful Mark Pollock was there Mark Pollock was the he was a, a quite a famous runner visually impaired runner and then he unfortunately had that accident that left him uh, paralysed and he's now a technology developer but he's an amazing guy Adam Harris younger brother of Simon Harris who was CEO of As I Am he was there and needless to say the wonderful Joanna Reardon but it was terrific it was just and it was very well run well well run there was about a thousand people at it and the amount of people taking part I mean there was a huge group of from the Billy Barry group the Irish National Youth Orchestra was there it was just it was it was incredible so well done to everybody involved but it afforded me the opportunity to spend a night in Dublin we got a night away in a hotel and we we met up with some friends and we went out for a nice meal so it was lovely and it's it's nice to get to get away like that so I spent some time on Saturday afternoon in Dublin City having a stroll around and I have to say I haven't been on a day like that you know 
walking around the shops and just soaking up all the atmosphere of Grafton Street etc haven't done it in, in many many years and the, the two things that stood out firstly was the amount of tourists that were in town the place was crawling with tourists and the hop on hop, uh, hop off bus was doing fantastic business and lots of people out taking photographs and all nationalities seem to be represented. I did of course, it was a Saturday so you did of course meet the, the hen and the, the well more than hen parties, stag parties, there seemed to be a lot of guys from England on stag parties they were rambling around, all in good form none of them causing trouble or anything like that but a real buzz about the city and as I say great to see so many tourists and then added to that the homeless, the amount of homeless people on the streets was truly shocking. And the amount of homeless, you could see the homeless people with during the day, certainly people with addiction issues, people who were, were begging on the streets. And it was a cold day and it was, there were showers in between the showers, the sun would come out, but it was a damp day for parts. And you could see people were getting absolutely soaked, but weren't, there was one girl on her knees holding a coffee cup and she, she almost looked like a statue. She just seemed so out of it and, and just, yeah, just really distressing uh, to see. And then Saturday night we walked down Grafton Street to go for something to eat and the charities had set up, the homeless charities had set up. There was a couple of soup runs and people serving hot food and there were stalls out with lots of warm clothes and shoes and socks and underwear and things and you could see homeless people going over and they were, you know, volunteers were trying to help them to see would this coat fit, maybe this jumper would be better on you and, you know, people really helping out and then wonderful smell of food. They were serving food on, you know, paper plates or whatever. But what I noticed was families with children going to the soup kitchens to get food and that kind of took me back because to me, when I would think of the traditional soup kitchens and the soup runs. You think of charities and volunteers going out to help rough sleepers and these are people who are sleeping rough because there's no emergency beds left in the shelters. Are there people with massive addiction problems? They Maybe they can't get into a shelter or they choose to sleep in, in a doorway. I wasn't expecting to see families with young children at the soup kitchen. And lo and behold, there's a really good piece in the paper uh, today in the Irish Independent from Laura Linnett, who was out, I, I, it was either the Saturday night or Sunday night, I'm not sure, on Grafton Street, exactly where I was, talking to the people and talking to the families who were attending the soup runs and getting food from them. And telling the stories behind them. You know, like the story of one woman is a, a Denise, a, a Denise Smith, a 38-year-old mother. She's a seven-year-old daughter and a 12-week-old baby. She's originally from Clondalkin in Dublin. She's been homeless for two years now, since November of 2017. And she's been living in emergency accommodation in the city. She spoke about her last Christmas. She was in nine different B&Bs over that Christmas period. Can you imagine that? Now, last, no, she wouldn't, she would have been pregnant. She wouldn't have had the 12-week-old uh, baby at that stage, but she would have had the little seven-year-old who would have been six. Imagine packing up over Christmas and that wonderful excitement around Christmas and that relaxed mood that we all get into. Instead of every day, you have to leave this B&B, leave this hotel and you have to move somewhere else and let's see where you're going to be the next night. Just 
can't even begin to imagine what Christmas must have been like for them uh, last year. Anyway, the mother saying how guilty she feels, but she said, I know really this isn't my fault, but we are far from alone. There are so many other people in the same boat. So she goes to this soup run in the city centre a few times a week because she's trying to avoid feeding her child fast food, which she also says is very, very expensive. She said, it isn't the life I expected for myself or my children and it really feels like the government doesn't care. Um, and she said she always, makes sure, make, she always makes sure that the children have breakfast and lunch but she said sometimes there isn't enough money to get food in the evening and she says she doesn't like bringing the children to a soup run but she wants them to eat healthily. She also says the volunteers are just so nice as well. And then there's a, there was another couple of other mothers who became friendly from being homeless. They met up in, in emergency accommodation and they have a tendency to meet up at the soup run uh, as well. One woman had a six-month-old girl and the other woman highlighted in the paper today has five children, two boys and three girls, all under the age of, of 10. The children were eating spaghetti bolognese yards away from the newly decorated Brown Thomas Christmas shop. She said the children have been coming. They've been coming here for a while. She said food is too expensive and she said it's where I know the children are going to get something very healthy uh, to eat. She's also living in hotel uh, accommodation. She said it's me and the children and my husband and I all living in two rooms in a hotel. We come for food for the children. We don't have any choice. Isn't it just shocking? And then the charities who are working with them. One is called the Grafton Homeless Outreach Centre. person who runs that says, I've been doing this for five years and nothing has changed. And then another group are the Friends Helping Friends. They operate on Grafton Street as well. And they say children are being bullied in school for being homeless. My God, it's just shocking. And as I say, got to see it firsthand on Saturday. And I never thought I would see the day in this beautiful, wonderful country that we live in, that we have families with children queuing up at, what was it, coming up to eight o'clock at night. So they're children could get a bowl of you know spaghetti bolognese, a bowl of warm soup and it was all good wholesome food. I can see why families would do it if I was in the same boat as parents. You know we'll do anything to make sure we're trying to do our very best for our children. Now if that includes queuing up at a soup run then so be it. But there's something very very rotten and wrong with this country that that's what's happening in 2019. And then um, yesterday morning I woke to the news that a man had been found dead close to Trinity College and it was very close to where I had been rambling around almost feeling like a tourist on Saturday and it, and then I was trying to see on the news I saw it on a Twitter feed that a man had been found dead and there was very little about it in the news and I was saying I wonder what this man who is this man who was found dead it turns out it was it has get some coverage in the paper but but not a lot I suppose there are just so many rough sleepers being found dead it's not it was shocking at one stage, whereas there just doesn't seem to be as much media coverage of it. It seems he was an Eastern European man. He was a drug uh, user. He was found in an unresponsive state near Trinity College early yesterday morning. And it seems he was robbed before the emergency services arrive. Gardi uh, believe that he had taken an overdose of drugs, believed to be heroin. And the other homeless people around him realised he was dying and they took whatever drugs he had left on him before heading away. Uh, Somebody said the incident was described as desperate. 
Ah, it's just, as I say, it just seems to be getting worse. Uh, 1850 Coming up on the programme today, we have a lot of different issues to get through. I was reading again online, saw it online, and it's making a lot of the papers today. The sinkhole that appeared in, in, down in West Cork around Allihies, it's an old copper mine. I tell you, it's taken part of the road away. We were very lucky that there wasn't a car on it. When, when it actually happened. So we're going to be talking about that this morning and tying it in, I suppose, as well later on in the programme. We're, we're speaking with the ge- about the geological survey that has been going on around West Cork for a year, more than a year. Certainly it's well over a year that we started getting calls in from people asking what was the low-flying plane. It's a white plane which has survey written in red very clearly on it and it flies very, very low and people were very suspicious about this plane and then we got on to the geological survey who were running, who were putting the plane up, tasked with putting the plane up and they, because they were getting so many calls from us, they started counting contacting us in advance to say we're going to be in such and such an area on such and such a day so you can let people know because cattle, livestock can be frightened the plane is flying so low but we also started calling it out so that people would know when they saw the plane in the area as to what it was about. So I'll ask the expert that joins us from that geological survey, do they map, do they have any idea where these old copper mines were? Because it's an old copper mine is the cause of this uh, sinkhole. We are heading for a pension time bomb. We're going to discuss that on the programme today with the news that 50% of the population do not have a private pension plan we need to do something. The government needs to uh, act. Unions need to get involved. Employers need to get involved. Something needs to be done. We have Christmas the details of this year's Christmas Shoebox Appeal, which is a lovely, lovely charity. And it is a wonderful thing to do if you've children in the household to get children involved in packing up the shoebox. I always think if you pick an age group, say you have a seven, eight year old in the house, get the shoe, get a shoe box designed for a seven-year-old, same age as your child, same sex as your child. So a little seven-year-old girl, ask a seven-year-old girl to fill the box with things that she would like if she was to open this box, bearing in mind that it will be going to children that have absolutely nothing. And I just think it's a, it's a lovely thing and it's, it gets children into the idea of realising how, how well off they are. And it gets them into that whole thing of giving and charity. And, you know, I think it will turn them into better adults. And it's lovely to hear children say as they grow up that they remember doing it for many, many years. Because I think the Team Hope, who we're talking about, I think they've been doing the shoeboxes for the last 10 years. But it's about 20 odd years since the first of those shoeboxes were packed. So it's it is a lovely, lovely initiative. If you are a young mother, we have details of a new online resource and it's to help new mothers, many of whom seemingly are suffering health issues and they're suffering in silence. And I suppose it goes back to this thing of we become mothers and there's this wonderful world that's painted of motherhood and how motherhood is natural and everyone just falls into it and everything is rosy with the world and particularly now with social media and people putting up pictures of how wonderful motherhood is but that isn't the case for every everyone. Many, many mothers have in the past are doing it now and will continue in the future to really, really struggle. They're doing their very best that they can do. This wonderful bundle of joy, unfortunately, does not come with a manual and it can be a very, very stressful time, particularly on the first child. 
And it seems a lot of these mothers are suffering in silence and they don't know where to go. Are they afraid that if they do go, they kind of get fobbed off with, oh, that's just motherhood, get on with it kind of thing. And that seemingly has been happening. So this is a new online resource. So we'll have details of that on the programme uh, today. Also hoping to talk about the price of a... of the council with Superloose and it's one particular Superloo in North Cork. We know we've done this before since the first of these Superloos were introduced many, maybe 10, 15 years ago Superloo started to appear. They're great, they're clean and if you need to go to the toilet, you need to spend a penny, uh, you know what you know, the, what you're going to get is, is, is spotlessly clean but they are really, really expensive and with councils not having as much money I take it councils are looking at these super loose and thinking, do we need to get rid of them? But what are the alternatives? We do need to have public toilets. So we'll address that on the programme today. And it is Monday. So Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic will answer all of your nutritional uh, questions throughout the day. You can get your nutritional questions in to Bernie, 1850 or you can text our WhatsApp and we'll put your questions to Annalise after half past 12 today. Can I also get you to put your thinking caps on, please, and come up with your cheesiest jokes? We will be looking for jokes in the final hour of the programme today because all this week we've teamed up with the Cosy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale and they are having cheese fondue Nights, the first of which is on the 27th of October, which is next Sunday. And then they run, there's one on the 10th, the 24th, 1st of December, the 8th of December and the 15th of December. And you can find out more about the cheese fondue nights at the Cozy Cafe by going onto their website, cozycafe.net. But they have kindly given us prizes of a special fondue on for Sunday the 3rd of November where you can go along, the winner can go along with you and four of your friends and it's a special C103 fondue night, cheese fondue night at the Cozy Cafe. So in order to win one of these prizes and we are giving away, we have one of these special fondue tables to give away one every day this week but in order to win the prize we want to hear your cheesiest joke. We really are going to make you work for this. So if you have a cheesy joke, hang on to it and we'll let you know how you can contact us and tell us your cheesy joke and it will be your chance to win a cheese fondue night. But please mark it in the calendar. It is Sunday the 3rd of November. That's the date of the C103 special fondue night at the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale. So locals in Allahees in West Cork have been left shocked after an old mind shaft collapsed. Now it collapsed during the week and even took a bit of the road with it. Local community activist Fimber Harrington joined me. Good morning, Sir Finbar. Good morning. Um, you're, you're welcome. Now, I suppose, uh, outline where it is that this actually happened. Yeah, well, I suppose, look, uh, Ali is, uh, is a small little village, uh, Patricia, in the western end of the Bearer Peninsula. Um, the, the road is, is, is a little boy road uh, that leads into the village. Um, I suppose, look, Ali, the mines would have been known for copper mining, uh, which began, I suppose, back in 1812. Uh, it, it originally began and uh, opened and closed a number of times right up till uh, 1957 to 1962. So, that, so there was quite an extensive amount of mining done uh, in and around the Allies area. And I suppose, look, to put it in context, uh, in, in the peak of the mining, um, you had around 1,600 people working there at one stage. Wow. Big employer. Big, big employer. And... 
does anyone have accurate information on exactly where the mines are? Yeah, well, look, the the OPW have have quite detailed maps, but I suppose look, nobody nobody can be a hundred percent sure uh, as to the exact amount of mine shafts um, because I think what, what you'd be aware of like any mining company that when when they're mining for a mineral, they'll continuously speculate around the area to see can they find more and find more. Mm. So a, a lot of speculating would have been done over that period. It was quite a long period of time. And, and look at 1,600 people. There was a lot of mining went down there. So I suppose nobody knows exactly uh, where all the mine shafts are. I know the OPW have quite detailed maps as to where a lot of them are, but uh, I'd say no hand and heart. I don't think anybody can say exactly where and it all was, the mine shafts are. It was copper, wasn't it, they were mining for? Yeah, mining for copper, um, which at the time was quite valuable, you know. And um you there? Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. So, yeah, hey, yeah. It, 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 it was copper, yeah, copper they were mining. Copper for, uh, for okay. Yeah. Now, the, outline what happened on Wednesday. I've seen photographs of it. It's quite dramatic looking. And how deep is that sinkhole? Yeah, it, it, it first appeared around Thursday and then it got, it got worse on Friday and Saturday. Um, and I suppose, look, to put it in context now, you were talking about 75 or 80% uh, of the width of the road has gone, has collapsed into this hole. Um, the depth of the hole is, is, is whatever depth the mine shaft is, and, and again, I suppose look, people will come and see this thing, and I suppose what we'd encourage people is, you know, to be safe, to keep back from, and keep outside the safety barriers because um, you don't know how much more of this ground is going to. Absolutely, absolutely. That was the one thing I thought of when I saw it: how much more of the road or the area around it will 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 fall in uh, to the hole. It's it's cordoned off. It's closed off. I take it the road is. Yeah, it's cordoned off with, with uh, Harris Fencing. The council have uh, cordoned it off uh, with, with Harris Safety Fencing to, to keep people back and the road is closed. Uh, but look, I suppose luckily there was nobody walking or cycling or driving uh, when it actually mm. collapsed and there was no fatality or no, no injuries. But look, I suppose, look, Ali, he's renowned for like, the Bear Way and walking and tourism and they recently launched uh, Dorsey Boat Trips, which attract a lot of people into the area. So look, people are going to come and have a look at this thing. It, it, it is of interest, but look, um, and there's an alternative route. Is there an alternative route to get people to Allahys? Yeah, there is. Look, it's not. It's not on the main road, Allahys. It's, it's the connecting road that connects um, um, local people to the village and, and, and would shorten their route to the village. So yeah. look, it's, it's not a main road. So the uh, Allahys is still open and, and, and still accessible. But I suppose, look, we still encourage the council, you know, not to hang around here, you know, and get this thing made safe and get it uh, closed up and get the road reopened. Now, over the weekend, when I saw media coverage on this I saw on uh, corkbio.ie uh, that and I think it was you who were telling them the story of a young lad who tried to get planning permission for a house and somebody suggested he build on this site Yeah absolutely look uh, that was actually a, a young couple looked like many other young couples through West Cork that have uh, to go through uh, what is a very uh, lethargic and laborious planning process to get it to secure a one-off house on their own land and that that process in, in that we're speaking about took a total of three years. But at, at one stage, um, that couple had a number of sites uh, given to the council, which were very suitable from an access point of view and a view point of view and safety from the road. But at one stage, the planner was insisting because he owned land, uh, which is very, very close to this massive hole this morning, that he'd go and build here because he wouldn't impact on the skyline. And it was only on his insistence uh, because of advice from his parents and older people and his engineer 
uh, that they insisted as a panel that there was old mine shafts here and that he couldn't possibly build a hole here. So luckily for him, um, they, you know, they saw through that eventually and, and they gave him planning on one of the sites that he had picked. And so thankfully he didn't build there um, where the mine shafts are. I mean, yeah, that's the, when, when you look at it, I mean, my initial reaction was, thank God there wasn't a car on the road. But then my second one was, thank God nobody decided to, to, to build there. So people do have to be very careful about where, where they are building. We've got the geological survey coming on later. You know that low-flying plane, Fimber, that you would have seen over West Cork? Have you yes. seen that plane fly over, Alex? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm wondering, now I don't know the science behind the type of work that they're doing, but I'm wondering with the information they've gathered, it'd be interesting to ask them, would they have any information on the abandoned mines? Surely it would show up on the fo- the photographs that they're taking. Yeah, look, look. I suppose, look, this this is not the first time this has happened, uh, Patricia. Like, uh, recently, uh, in, in the in the, in the not-so-distant past, like in the last few years, uh, there was a farmer actually cutting silage in a field, and, and, and as he went out the gate, uh, a big hole appeared in the middle of the field. Um, and I suppose, look, that didn't get the attention that this is getting because I suppose the fact that this has happened on a road, yeah. on, on a main council road, it, it has collapsed and has got more attention. So th- this isn't the first time it has happened. But look, Absolutely, I suppose. Look, information is knowledge uh, is key to the whole thing here. You know, and the more the more information we have, the better. Yeah. And what now for that sinkhole? Are the council going to fill it in? Yeah. Well, look. I suppose. Look, I'd be hoping for the and, and and look, we'll be pressurising pressurizing the council. You know, you know, to keep on top of this. You know, to get this hole filled, get it made safe, get it wired off. You know, and get the road reopened for the locals that use it for for local access. Um, I suppose. Look, what we don't want is for this to drag on. And this whole left open indefinitely until somebody falls into it, you know. Okay. All right. Listen, Finbar, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is local uh, community activist in uh, West Cork, Finbar Harrington, uh, about that old mine shaft which has collapsed, leaving a sinkhole just outside of Allahy's. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. A new study by Cork-based Blueprint Financial Planning has found that over 45% of adults surveyed have not taken out a private pension plan to support them after retirement. To discuss what is now a pension time bomb, I'm joined by John Lowe, the money doctor of independentfinancialadvice.ie. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, and you are welcome. Why is it so important that we all have private, a private pension for when we retire? Well, I can tell you one thing. At the moment, there are about 677,000 people over the age of 66. Uh, in 30 years' time, Patricia, there will be 1.8 million. Last year, for every person who retired, there were five workers. In 30 years' time, there'll be less than two. Those so figures don't add up. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that the government simply won't have the money uh, to fund not only the public sector pay, but the state pensions as well, which currently is €248.30 a week. And if you remember over the last few years, um, they have been upping it 
uh, five or a time as a budget. This is the first year in, in a number of years that they haven't increased the, the uh, state pension. And even during the big squeeze when they were cutting back on other social welfare recipients, they left the old age pension alone. Absolutely. Uh, 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 but not only that, I, I think that, as I say, um, as we are getting demographically older, it means that we also have the votes. And that's one of the reasons why, again, in three years' time, uh, there's a thing called auto-enrollment going to come into play. And this was bandied about, Patricia, about 20 years ago, and that's when it should have been brought in. And this auto-enrollment is where every employer in the company, in the country, is going to be forced to have to uh, set up a pension fund for their employee. They have to contribute to it. At the moment, every company is uh, required to set up a structure whereby an employee can debit um, their you know, salary and pay into a pension. They don't necessarily have to uh, contribute to it, the employer, but uh, they have to set it up. And there has to be a nomination of an insurance company. The funny thing is that if you haven't nominated that insurance company and haven't set up a kind of a direct debit facility for your employee, you can be fined €15,000. Now, there's still a huge number of companies that haven't bothered doing that. But in three years' time, 2022, which is far too late in my view, um, this auto-enrollment is going to come into play. They haven't even started thinking about the actual details of it, how much the employer is going to pay, how much the employee will will pay, um, what rules and regulations. I mean, they're talking about maybe after two years, the employee can actually opt out, whereas the employer can never opt out. So it's going to be, and you can imagine what's going on between the IBEC uh, agency, which is the employer's agency, and, and SIP2. Oh, the and unions, yeah. The, yeah. the unions don't want it because the members don't want to put money into a pension because they want to live now. Very, very few people can afford to pay the level of um, uh, pension contributions to match uh, the allowance to maximise the tax relief. So if you're between 30 and 40, you can put 20% of your net relevant earnings into a pension and get full tax relief on it. So for every 100 euros of uh, pension that you're putting into your uh, scheme and you're on the 40% tax bracket, you're getting 40 euros back from the government. Yeah, but the problem is if you're aged, if you're in that age demographic 30 to 40 and mm-hmm. you've just bought a house which traditionally is the age people are Correct. buying houses, you, you're not going to be able to put 20% of your income into a pension but Well, well that's the, exactly the point and, uh, but the, the idea is though that you should put something in. Yeah. So many it's, people... Yeah, but I, I take the, the, it's no, is there an ideal age to start a pension? Do you know what? <laughs> There's no joke, but I've been quoted there recently in, in The Independent where uh, a young lady came into his 26, and I'm getting lots and lots of young people, men and women, uh, in the mid-20s bracket, and this young lady was 26. <clears throat> and after we had our little uh, consultation, she was visibly upset that she'd missed out on two years' pension contributions. What? Visibly upset. And, and, and they're more and more realising that because they realise that, um, you well know, done. And the, the younger you are, the better it is. The far better it is the, the, the younger you are and if you can afford it. Um, but a lot of people... And even if it's a small contribution when you're younger, yeah. you get in there and then you can up it... 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like, you know, the mortgage end for, for maybe young professionals where um, you can get more than your three and a half times your mortgage uh, if you're, say, on the professional class, the solicitor, doctor, uh, that kind of a dentist, uh, and uh, because they realize your income is going to go up and therefore they can uh, apply a little bit more. So it's the same with pensions as well. Um, you know, start with something. Do something. Even at the end of the year, you can still decide to pay in a lump sum if, you, if number one, you have it, and number two, it's worth your while to do it, doing it. And then at the other end of that scale, while you're saying younger you are, the better, never too late to start? Never too late. I mean, at, if you're 50 years of age, you can put 30%. If you're 60 years of age, you can put 40% of your net relevant earnings. And by the age of 60, <clears throat> most people would have either uh, finished their children's education third level so they've got maybe a little bit more money they may have even started finishing their mortgage if they're lucky and therefore they may have more um, more, dis- a, more income disposable yeah. income yeah. that they can put into a pension at 60 40% you can put up your net relevant earnings Okay, Harry says, what about those of us who have put a bit of money away into our pensions how do we judge if we're going to have enough? Another good question. <clears throat> the first thing you've got to do is you've got to monitor what you're putting in. It's very easy for me to come and say, stick 30, 20, 40 percent of your money away. Where is it going? That's the first question you want to ask yourself. Because, you know, at the moment, interest rates are so low and people think that, oh, you know, the older you get there, for the more cautious you've got to be. Well, the more cautious you've got to be, Patricia, that means that you've got to put it into uh, either a cash fund or maybe a government bond fund. And the corollary of that is 0% growth. In fact, you're losing money out because you're probably paying about 1.5% in terms of, of annual management charges. So you're actually down. So what you need to do each year is look at your balance of what your fund is worth. And if it's less than last year, then one of two things is happening. One, you're at the, in, a, in, a, in a cash fund where you get no growth. Or two, um, the charges are so horrendous that you need to start thinking about moving it. But you need to make sure that you're in a higher uh, growth area. And the only growth area you can go higher up is the equity market. You know, the stock market is a a peculiar uh, kind of issue at the moment because we are in the 10th year of the longest, um, second longest bull market of all time. Ten years ago, we had the greatest crash. um, And ten years later, if you had done nothing, it's all back. And the only things that never came back were the bank shares. So we're now in the 26th bull market. We've had 25 bear markets. For the bull to become a bear, it has to drop 20%. So it nearly happened last year, and suddenly January this year, it took off again, and it's up 10 12%. But then there was a little bit of a hiccup there a month ago with the China tariff crisis and things like that. So it's, it's kind of come back down to 8%. So what you need to do is check at the end of every year. Don't just file away your statement of pension. See what happened, and then ask the question, Am I in the right fund? Okay, Tom says, with regards to pensions, I had a pension. Uh, I am self-employed, but I've got two children in college. I had to stop paying into the pension. Yeah, I understand. That's quite common, I imagine. Ab- absolutely, 100%. And it's, it's, it's down to priorities. That's why, for instance, over the last five years, 300,000 people have stopped paying their health insurance. They can't, simply can't afford it. They've got higher priorities. You do have to prioritise. You know, there was a case... 12 years ago, 10 years ago, of, of a family in Tralee who were putting, um, paying their mortgage sooner than putting food on the table. 
My goodness. You know, so that there's, 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 you know, reality and reality. And the reality is that you've got to, you know, get your priorities right. Okay, Margaret says, question for a Mr. Lowe, the money doctor, please. My husband and I have a life insurance policy. We're in our late 70s. We're paying €652.45 a week uh, since we went over 65. It's not index linked according, accordingly. We don't want to let it go. We've paid so much into it, but we're broke from paying it. Oh God, I can't believe that. Well, there's a number of questions out of that. Number one, why have they got a life insurance policy? And especially if so much. Is this a Section 72 policy where they're paying money into a whole-of-life policy that in the event that they die, it'll pay off their children's tax liability? Or, you know, it's obviously a 600 and how much? 50 odd? €652 a month. Oh, my God, that's enormous. Um, That policy, if it's a whole-of-life policy, has a value now, Patricia. So they could, first of all, find out what is that value it might be well worth their while paying it off. If it's for their children's um, tax liabilities, the Section 72, um, I would query that as well because it, it is down to whether they can afford it. If, if they are awash with income and they're awash with money, um, that may be fine. You know, you, you, you live towards, you know... But it doesn't, it doesn't sound like they are. When you, I mean, it's heartbreaking to hear a couple in their 70s saying, we're broke from paying it. Well, can I just say say this as well? In terms of life cover, you should only have life cover. Number one, if there's a mortgage and you're uh, you're under fifty, even over fifty, you can actually waive get that that life cover waived. Mm. Um, but even even if you you chose to keep the the mortgage protection on your home, which is fair enough till the end of the term, that's okay. Outside of that, you need life cover when you have dependents, older or younger. You might have a young, an older mother, for instance, who needs uh, care. But do you imagine in their late 70s, they're not falling into I that wouldn't category? Think that, that I would, would say be... get some independent advice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My gosh, they, they need that badly. Yeah. They can give me a ring if they want, and I'd be delighted to talk to them. You're very good. You're very good. We'll, we'll, we'll pass on uh, your details. Um, and is it hard to get people to talk about pensions, John? Uh, People eyes glaze over yeah. when you talk about <laughs> pensions. And unfortunately, it, 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 is, it is the best investment, Patricia, that you can get into today. There's nothing better than a pension in Ireland. Because when you think about it, if you are on the 40% tax bracket and uh, you are putting €100 Euros a month into a pension fund, the government giving you back €40. Euros. That means that you're up 40% before you even start. Now you add, say, the 8 or 9% growth for the year. That's 49% you're up in one year. Name me one other investment that gives you that kind of return. Uh, no you know? such thing so as that. So it's quite easy the best return of any of them. You have to have a tax liability. You have to have income, obviously. Um, but it certainly is. But also, more importantly, uh, I would not like to be dependent on the government paying a pension in 20, 30 years. That's time. going to be the big problem. All yep. right. Uh, listen, that's where we leave it, John. As always, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for Thank that. You, Thanks. Uh, as is uh, John Lowe, the money doctor. Uh, coming up after 11, we are going to be talking about that new resource to help young mothers who are suffering health issues and seemingly they're doing it in silence. And we'll give you more details of our cheesy joke competition. Get your cheesy jokes ready. Go for your cheesiest jokes after 
12 today. We will do this by text and WhatsApp because uh, I can't have poor Barney listen to everybody's che- cheesiest jokes. She will never come back to work for the programme again. Uh, but it's a, a terrific competition. We're hooking up with Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale and they're having cheese fondue nights uh, one in October, two in November and then three in December with a special fondue night on Sunday the 3rd of November. And we every day this week we will have a winner of our competition and that person will get to go along to the special fondue night on Sunday the 3rd of November along with four friends. So it'll be a lovely fun night out but we want to hear your cheesiest jokes after 12 We'll give you the cue to text or WhatsApp. We'll give you a certain period of time. We'll go through the cheesiest jokes and we will pick our best joke for today. And then today our winner will win that special fondue night on Sunday the 3rd of November. We've got a similar prize to give away every day this week. It's a lovely, lovely prize in association with Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale. And you can find out more about their fondue nights by going to their website, cozycafe.net. Okay, um some of your calls and comments coming in. We were speaking in the last hour, oh, about the pension time bomb. We were talking with John Lowe, the money doctor, who was offering advice and saying to people, we need to do something. Uh, You know, the government have what they're paying out already on pensioners, they're simply not going to be able to afford to do that. Now, somebody's picked up on that and I think somebody has taken it that John Lowe was suggesting that pensioners today are getting too much, which is anything but what he was saying. But a listener has said, leave the pensioners alone. How many will have passed away in another 10 years and then the housing crisis will be over and will have nothing at all to be worried about. But you see, the problem is it isn't today's pensioners that really need to be worried. It's the pensioners of the future. At the the moment when you if you count up all the pensioners that are in this country there's 677,000 people over the age of 66 so they are people who are entitled to a state pension either contributory or non-contributory and in that cohort there will be people with their own private pensions as well but fast forward 30 years based on all the statistics that are there from the same for example the Central Statistics Office who did a census last year they know in 30 years time there's going to be 1.8 million people in this country who are over the age of 66 and we also know that they'll be there because we're living longer now obviously in 30 years time the 677,000 people who are over the age of 66 well maybe a few of them might have gone well into their hundreds and be with us uh, obviously as the pensioners saying half of them won't be there of course they won't be there but it's the people today who will be in 30 years time over 66 there'll be 1.8 million of them at the moment for every pensioner we have five workers paying into the pot that pays the pension in 30 years time we'll only have two workers for every pensioner dibbing into that same pot so the numbers don't add up no matter how much taxation we'll be expecting workers to pay they will never be able to pay enough to pay a state pension and all the public sector had to be paid out of that pot as well. So that's where this ticking time bomb that we're talking about. So we're not in any way and certainly John Lowe, the money doctor, isn't in any way having a go at today's pensioners. <laughs> Somebody jumped in and said, leave them alone. That wasn't what he was talking about at all. But it is a big, big concern. I was talking about homelessness and what I had witnessed in Dublin when I was up there on Saturday and Saturday night and just seeing how distressing it was. 
Uh, Martin in from Moy says, Patricia, what is wrong with this country? I am also, like you, very upset about the homeless. I don't think it will ever get sorted. Now, Martin reckons it's because we have too many foreign people in this uh, country who he feels are getting houses ahead of Irish people. I don't know how you're backing that up with what statistics you can show me that foreign people are getting houses over Irish people, uh, Martin. But anyway, he says the country is banjaxed. We will never, ever be right. And then he also talks about the sleep out that was on Spike Island on Saturday night. Martin said, I used to live there. Why Why can the government not do up the houses on Spike Island and maybe even build more houses there um, and offer them as housing to the homeless. I know the last time that somebody, I don't think it was Martin in uh, from Wyatt, because I think it was a female listener, had suggested using Spike Island because she'd been out visiting and saying, you know, there's, there's properties out there, could they not be done up with so many people homeless? And I saw somebody on Twitter having a real go at us for dare suggesting that we would use Spike Island to, as if we were trying to push everybody, all the homeless people, get them all together and get them off on an island and forget about them. That wasn't in any way what our listener had suggested and neither is it what Martin is suggesting. It's just if there's need for housing, could would people like to live on Spike Island? Would it be a chance? Somebody else has suggested that we could use it because we know that people that are on the streets with addiction are desperately looking for help and we don't have enough addiction services. Could it be used for addiction services? Could some kind of centres be set up uh, on, on Spike Island to help people with addiction who are trying to get out of addiction and hopefully through getting out of addiction they might get out of uh, homelessness. But thank you for your uh, text, uh, Martin. Uh, Mary says, Patricia, listening to your experience of coming across the homeless people in Dublin. I would just like to acknowledge all of the marvellous volunteers who give up their time to help those misfortunate people on the streets. The one that I'm particularly familiar with are the Tuesday night run from Fomoy. They're constantly looking for items as the needs of the homeless increase. Please remember them if you can. Kind regards, says Mary. Yeah, and actually when... I meant to, when I was talking about it in Dublin, it was just that it was in my face. I'm not on the streets of Cork in the evening time but I do know that probably is in the night of the week that the soup runs are not operating by charities again in Cork it's just that the Dublin one was in my face on Saturday that's why I mentioned it but yes absolutely the same kind of fantastic work is going on and I know when we were doing the Cork Volunteer Awards we saw it firsthand with Feeding Cork and uh, helping Cork Homeless the other group we saw the some of the ones that picked up awards where people who are working with homeless people and only for them God knows what would happen to the people because they wouldn't be certainly wouldn't be getting warm meals every night and you know a bowl of soup and packed up lunches for food for the next day and warm clothes the charity works they are just incredible the people that continue to work with the homeless and one that springs to mind and who are hoping fingers crossed to speak with tomorrow once again on the programme is Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners and the reason we're not getting on to her today she's a busy day today because she's got the wonderful social activist Father Peter McVerry is paying a visit to Little Hanover Street today to see it firsthand. the great work of Penny Dinners and Cork Penny Dinners have also bought and renovated a house to accommodate homeless people. It's a house in the city centre, close to where they operate on Hanover Street. And it's been transformed into three two-bedded apartments by Cork Penny Dinners and they will become home to six people. Isn't that incredible? I mean, Katrina Toomey, she's not just now feeding the homeless. She's now putting a roof over their head. She's just, that woman is just Incredible. She really is. And I know 
Father Peter McVeary, who's down, he's involved with the Father Peter McVeary Trust in Dublin. They are doing similar work to Cork Penny Dinners. They're doing it in, in, in Dublin. So we're hoping after what will be a busy day today for Katrina that she'll be able to, we'll be able to chat with her tomorrow because I really am interested in those houses that she has opened because we had her on last week when we spoke about that poor man who was murdered, that homeless man that was murdered and Katrina just spoke with such compassion and sympathy and empathy. The woman is just amazing about that gentleman who had died but I didn't realise that she was a, she's now getting into housing, that they're trying to house and home some of the people that she's working with. She really is fantastic. Some of your calls into the programme. Firstly, someone, a set of keys were lost yesterday morning between Cannon Corbett Place in Mallow and Little. There's a miraculous medal on the bunch of keys and we have the listener's number if you found those keys. Are you heard of somebody who found those keys, please? And Jaron Fremont was on. He wants to congratulate the Gardaí on Operation Thor on Saturday night in his area. He said it actually makes elderly people feel a bit safer. And what Jaron is talking about, and you're right to congratulate the Gardaí, they actually made four arrests in the weekend in two separate burglaries. The one that Jur is talking about was on Saturday night. Three men were arrested following a burglary in Fremont. Two men were arrested after forcing entry to a house and the third was arrested when he fled in a getaway car. And then separately there was a man in his 30s arrested after a burglary in Farnree. That was also on Saturday and he's due before the district courts today. So well done. And it does give comfort to people when they hear of these burglars getting caught in the act. It really is fantastic. Fantastic. And that Operation Thor, which is very much targeting rural areas and, and trying to stop the gangs that are targeting rural areas and they have a tendency to target older people, has been very, very successful indeed. So congratulations all round and thank you to Ger for getting in his call to remind me to congratulate the guy. The Ger also, when he was on, is wondering, is there any point in having private health insurance? He says his wife is waiting two months for an appointment and he's waiting three months for an appointment with private health insurance. Now, I don't know what Jer and his wife, what their ailment is and what type of appointment they're looking for. If it's orthopaedic, is it to do with their eyes? Is it a, an appointment for heart? Is it stomach, gastro? I, you know, I don't know what area of medicine he's looking for an appointment. But it does seem an excessive period of time when it's private health insurance that Jer and his wife has. I would suggest you get back on to your own GP and maybe the GP can do a referral to a different consultant because you know there's many there's more than one consultant in each of the different fields of medicine maybe the particular consultant that your doctor is recommending is just very busy at the moment it does seem a very excessive period for with private health insurance but let's see if anybody else has waited a similar length of time you're waiting three months for an appointment and his wife two months with private health insurance. Is that the norm at the moment? 1850 333 103. Bernie's taking your calls. She's sitting in uh, across this week again for John Paul. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A machine operator is required for a busy label manufacturer in the Quartertown area of Mallow, while general operatives are wanted for electro polishing. That's in the Ballyhay Charleville area. Part-time positions available at JJ's Appliance. That's in Canturk. Retail experience, please, and computer skills. 
and experienced labourer is wanted to help a tradesperson on a new housing development in Kinsale. You need to have your safe pass and manual handling. For all the details and more job opportunities, go online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. New mothers in Ireland are often suffering in silence over hidden health problems and are reluctant to ask for help. That's according to Dr Deirdre Daly, who is a professor in midwifery and was part of a launch of an online resource centre. Dr Deirdre Daly joins me. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Morning, Patricia. Uh, Thank you for asking us. Well, you're, you're very welcome. Now, we'll talk about the resource in a moment, but it was developed following a study called MAMI for short that you led. And I love the way you've abbreviated it to MAMI. It's very clever. Uh, tell me about that study and what you discovered during that study. Okay. MAMI stands for Maternal Health and Maternal Morbidity in Ireland. And a morbidity means a health problem. Okay. And I set it up with Professors Begley and Clark here in Trinity College back in... Probably 2010, 9, 10, I started preparing it and we started it in 2011 with funding from the Health Research Board. And the reason I did it, Patricia, was that I was a practicing midwife at the time and went looking for data on women's health after birth. Now, we have absolutely fantastic data in Ireland. We collect fantastic data on women's health during pregnancy, during labor and childbirth. But once a woman leaves the maternity hospital, we stop collecting and reporting national data on their health. So when I went looking for data, needless to say, there was nothing there. So we started this longitudinal study in one site, first of all, and then later on expanded it to three other sites. And over the course of the next five years, we recruited over 3,000 first-time mothers. We recruited them in early pregnancy, and we asked them about their health and all sorts of health problems and sensitive personal issues. And we followed them up at three, six, nine, and 12 months postpartum. And now we're actually on the second baby and the five-year follow-up. Oh, goodness me. And what, yeah. what did you discover, Deirdre? Well, it was, it was based on, we looked at all sorts of physical and he- mental health issues. So leaking urine when you don't mean to, leaking stools when you don't mean to, being anxious, being depressed, being slapped and beaten in the home, and um, having sexual health problems, be it pain or relationship problems. So we looked at all of those things, and what we discovered was a considerable number of women had even health problems like urinary incontinence or faecal incontinence before their first pregnancy. So these women were coming to pregnancy with already having some health problems, Around about 1 in 10 women had depression. 1 in 12 or so women had anxiety. And when we followed them through into pregnancy, we found that a lot of these problems, they persisted for some women. They resolved for others. But by and large, they persisted. And they persisted and even got worse for women right throughout the course of their first year after motherhood. So even at three months after birth... Over two in f- over one in two women leaked urine. That means leaking urine when they didn't mean to. Around about one in ten women leaked feces. And did right. they? And what stopped them going to get help? 
There's a couple of things. One, these are first-time mothers who are in the throes of motherhood. They're barely coming to terms with looking after a new baby and the responsibility of it. And they're exhausted. Exhausted. And they're very much their own health place, second, uh, takes second place to the baby's health. Two, if you think of it, our, our maternity care services are free for women, but they stop at six weeks postpartum. Now, six weeks postpartum for any woman will tell you they're barely coming to terms with motherhood. Barely and particularly first time out, first time oh, round. Sure, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, and I would say, and this is what women would say, these are sensitive personal issues. And if there's no date on them and nobody's talking about them and nobody is asking you about them, you will begin to think it's only me and there's something wrong with me. Whereas... And, and on top of that, you won't necessarily have the language or the resources to know how to ask for help. And hence they suffer in silence. And then is there always the, also that danger that mothers are brushed off when they do raise concerns with, as you all mothers go through that, get on with it. There is indeed, and there's very much a bit of that in saying, you know, what are you going to expect the, um, these things happen? And there's a very interesting thing that came out of the study as well. I mean, there's... Um, Two in five, almost two in five women leak some amount of urine when they're pregnant. Nine out of ten women told us that they didn't ask for help because they thought it was normal. And, and obviously the fact you're raising this, that, that is not normal, there is help. Leaking urine is never normal. It is common, but it is not normal and it can be treated. And that's very much the language that we're using and saying to women, look, get treatment for these things. They're... These are the health problems. They're not, in terms of severity, they're not severe, they're not life-threatening, many of them, and they won't kill women, but they will leave women miserable. And, you know, the, the piece of uh, or the piece of information that came out of your study that, that I felt saddened by was the amount of young mothers who feel lonely and almost like they're the only ones going through this experience. Everybody else has taken to motherhood beautifully. Look at everybody on social media. They're all wonderful, happy young mothers with their babies. Mm. And here am I at home miserable and I'm lonely. That's really sad. Yep, and that's and it, it, so many women said it again and again and again. And if you're looking, if you're a new mom at home and you're looking at social media and you see everybody else is is portraying perfection and you can barely get yourself washed and manage this little new adult and this new person in your life, you're going to feel more and more worried that you're not doing something right. So what women are saying to us, you know, yes, there is an anxiety there. But what all a lot of these women want is to feel and know that they're doing a good job. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I mean... Like you babies know, don't come with a manual. There's, there's no roadmap <laughs> on how to do motherhood. Not at all. And every woman will do it in her way. And that's what's going to make her relationship with her child unique. So explain this online resource and how it works. Okay, this course is called Women's Health After Motherhood, so WAM for short, and it's freely available on a platform called Future Learn. And what it is, is a course based all around, it's essentially what women in the MAMI study told us they wished they had known. So it's run over four hours and run over four weeks, but it's the course opened this morning, actually. 
And what it is, is week one is structured around physical health, returning to exercise, myths around motherhood. Yeah. So these issues that are common but not normal. Week two is focused on urinary incontinence, some information about faecal incontinence in there as well. And it's led very much by women's health physiotherapists, particularly Cine Cusick and uh, Neve Kenny in the Rotunda Hospital. And it's based on helping women understand how to do pelvic floor muscle exercises correctly. So there's a coach task. And it's all about, again, knowing what's normal, knowing what's common but not normal and what can be treated. The other thing that the course does is tell women what they can do to help themselves. So enable them, first of all, to help themselves and then help them understand the point where you need to seek professional help. Week three of the course is, is very much designed by um, around anxiety and depression. And there's a lovely um, tool developed by Agnes Higgins in there, a professor of mental health, about creating a wellness plan. Gorgeous video as well by John Sheehan, psychiatrist in the Rotunda Hospital, on all of the postpartum issues like depression and psychosis and when they can happen. And then week four, the final week of the course, contains information on relationships, so sexual relationships. What's normal and what, what isn't normal and when should you start having sex after birth, after giving birth? Domestic violence, although, you know, we have to include it because so many women are impacted by it. And the final part of the course really guides and enables women to begin to look at their lives and create a spiral of support so that they can build resources around them so that all of those resources will help women not just survive but thrive in motherhood. Well done. And it's done online, so no matter where you are in the country, once you have access you to a computer, world. you can do it on your phone, or where you are in the world, in, in, indeed. So yeah. so remind us of how, how, how mothers can sign up to it. They can even just Google Future Learn. Future Learn, okay. And sign it up. And it's available in English and Spanish. And in the new year, it'll be available in Dutch. Well done, go you. And is there a charge? No, it's no. completely free. No woman, because of her financial circumstances, should be deprived of this information. Well done. Well, well done. And I like that idea of uh, the, the, the spiral of, of support. Uh, that's the key, isn't it, for other young mother for young mothers listening? Yeah. Get the support. Ask for it. And ask for the type of support you need. So when someone's coming to your house, you know, tell them to bring a hot meal with them. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why exactly. not? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, uh, Deirdre, good luck. It's it's a it's a fantastic resource and long, long overdue, can I say. And Thank so you very so much. well well Thank done on it and congratulations and to everybody involved. It's all because of the women. So okay. all the congratulations go to them. Well done. Thanks for that, Deirdre. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Dr. Deirdre Daly of that Mammy study. She's a professor in. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Uh, Midrafib, but take a look at that. Uh, Future Learn, just Google Future Learn. If you are a young mother or you know of a young mother, family member or a friend of yours or maybe you're pregnant at the moment, take a look at that resource guide free of charge and you do it all online. It might just give you the support that you need. 1850-333-103. Bernie is taking your calls. Just on the sink hole that we spoke about in the earlier part of the show when I had Finbar Harrington on, Texters who just signed themselves a concerned resident said on that sinking hole which you spoke about in Ali he's that road that has collapsed was never meant for heavy vehicles. In the olden times, farmers wouldn't even drive a horse and cart on that road. It is a network of tunnels underneath and it's actually called the floors. That's what it's known as locally. The road cannot be opened for traffic ever again according to a concerned uh, residence. And that goes back to the local knowledge and the older people would have known the mining work that went on in that area because I thought Fimber had a lot of detail of the dates when the copper mining was going on in that area. It was I thought it was only back in the 1800s, but it wasn't. He was saying it reopened again in the 50s, right up to 1962. So there are people alive today in that area who would have remembered and would know where the mining and where the extensive mining went on. I don't know how much information we have about the mining that went on back in the 1800s, but it's it's interesting to see that point from somebody local to say that older farmers would never have even put a horse and cart on it because they knew that that road wasn't strong enough. Then, of course, another generation come in who know nothing about the mines and suddenly there's heavy vehicles on it. We are just lucky that that sinkhole and that occurred when there wasn't a car on the road and we're equally and more lucky that nobody had built in that area. 1850 Thank you to the person, to that concerned resident for your WhatsApp to o, your, your text to 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 We very often get calls in from listeners about a low flying plane with the word survey written across it, especially from some of our listeners in the West Cork area. Well, that aircraft is collecting data for Geological Survey Ireland. And joining me with some of the results of the survey is Dr. Jim Hutchins, who's senior geologist with the Tell Us Project. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. I have to say, some of our listeners thought that you were the council trying to catch people burning in their backyards. No, do, not at all. do you get many calls in asking you what the aircraft is? We do get some. And actually, we do ask people to call in because, because the plane flies so low, 
um, we're just concerned about particularly people who have horses or livestock that they might be kind of a bit concerned about the plane. And what we do is people ring us and we ring them back to serve the day before it's flying. But uh, thankfully now all the, all the flying has been completed. We finished back in July, uh, June, July time. Um, and we've just recently released all the data from, from the aircraft and from the survey. And it has to fly low to gather the data. Is that the reason for it? That's right. So there's actually three different instruments on board the aircraft. There's a magnetometer, um, something that measures natural radiation coming from the soils and rocks. And we also measure the conductivity. And obviously, the closer we are to the ground, the better the data we get, the better the measurements. But we're limited with the, the permit we have from the Irish Aviation Authority. We can only fly at 60 metres, which is still very, very low. Um, but we can't fly any lower than that. So it's, we fly as low as possible to get the best quality data we can. OK, and how long have you been collecting the data and what exactly are you looking for? Well, this, this is part of actually a national survey. So it's a national geological and environmental mapping programme. We started back in 2011 and the whole plan is we're doing the whole country and we hope to be finished in the next sort of three or four years. Uh, we started flying in Cork back uh, the end of last summer, back in August, but unfortunately, we can only fly when the weather's good, when, when it's not too windy. But in, in the Cork region, it was either very misty and they couldn't get out because the, the visibility wasn't good enough, or if the mist wasn't there, it was too windy. So it took them a long, a long time to complete the survey, hence why we only finished this, last, uh, this, this year. What we're looking for is, the first thing we're looking for is actually to use the information to give us better geological maps. So previously, geological maps would have been created by people walking across the fields, looking at, there's an outcrop here of rock, there's another one over here. But by flying an aircraft and collecting millions of data points, we can actually create really detailed maps, which improves our geological mapping. Uh, and you might say, what's, what's the use of that? Mm. Um, by knowing what type of rock we have beneath the ground, we can know if, if you're drilling a well, for example, am I drilling in into a granite, which is, doesn't have much water in it, or into a limestone, which has lots of water in it. Also, it has an interest from a, um, a minerals point of view. So certain rock types will host different types of minerals. So in this area, there's a, there's a tradition of, sort of, uh, of copper mining. So the information can be used to identify areas which may be good for, good for mining or areas which aren't good for mining. Um, and... Also, as part of the survey, we've, we haven't reached this area yet, but we'll, in the coming years, we're coming down to Cork. We also do soil sampling and we measure the chemistry of the water. So we take soil samples and we look at the chemistry of, of the soil. And some listeners may have seen us on, on the, uh, the RT program, Big Week on the Farm, a few weeks back, where we're working with Chagas to look at the, the, the soil chemistry and how it can improve the fertility for farmers. And can anybody access the information? Yes, yeah, so all the, all the information we collect is, is available free of charge. We have a website, which is gsi.ie forward slash TELUS. And you can go on there, you can download the actual data if you're interested. Or even the, probably the easiest thing is to actually look at the maps we produce from, from all the data we collect. OK, let's talk about the Cork area. What have you discovered about us here in Cork? Well, Cork, I suppose, if people know the, the geology of the area. It's lots of sandstones and some uh, mudstones, which kind of lie kind of east-west, um, generally in that that orientation. And what the we have those that area is quite well mapped already, but we get even better information. And what the information can also tell us about things that are happening at depth. So often, from a, a geological point of view, we're interested in, in the geometry and the shape of, of the rocks and how they form at depth. And a lot of this information can be used for kind of mineral exploration, or as I said, from just environmental or kind of uh, local mapping. So there's lots of sandstones, there's lots of, sort of mudstones, there's a few little volcanic deposits. Um, nearer to sort of Bear Island, which we see offshore. So we can actually even map offshore as well. With, with a- anything for us to worry about when you say volcanic? 
Uh, no, these would no. have been volcanoes which would, would have been erupting about 300 million years ago. Okay. So, so, so a long time ago, but no, yeah. no, no recent activity. Okay, and I, I, I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, we spoke about it earlier on the programme. There was a large sinkhole that had opened up on a, on a roadway on the Beira Peninsula. It's an, it, it turns out it's the location of an old copper mine. Yes, yes. And the, ro- the road is cleared. Would you have access to the information from what you're doing that could tell local people where all the mines are? Uh, unfortunately, from our survey, we can't do that. Because of the resolution, we're flying lines which are 200 metres apart. So our resolution is probably 50 uh, metres, 100 metres, the size of objects we can detect. So these kind of things are pretty much smaller. Um, I say I, I was only made aware of that kind of fairly fairly recently, um, and it's not I say, it's not really my area of expertise. But I, I do know that the the county council are liaising with the exploration and mining division, who are the kind of the relevant body with the department, and, and they're lo- looking into it. And they would have a lot of the old historical uh, mine workings. Yeah, because there was a lot of copper mining went on in, in West Cork. In the uh, I knew it was in the eighteen hundreds, but I didn't realise they they were mining up to nineteen sixty two. That's right. I think in, in the, sort of the mid sort of 1800s, there was over 1,500 people working yeah, in the copper industry yeah. back then. So it was, a, it was a big, big employer. And it's with new technologies, people are actually still looking for copper um, in, sort of the, in the Cork area. And they're hoping to find something and, more. It, and do you believe it's still, there is still some there? Oh, yes. There's still, still lots of copper. And I suppose historically, it would have been very difficult to extract that copper in kind of economical uh, quantities. But now there's probably new technologies where they can actually do it in much smaller scale and make it economical. And that's one of the things that they're, they're looking into to seeing if, if there's valuable sort of copper deposits around the area. Uh, and I was waiting for somebody to, to text in and I, I did make a note of this question. I was going to ask it as well. People want to know, did you find any gold? <laughs> there is. We... we well, our data, we can't really find gold directly from the information we collect, but what it can do is identify areas which might have good gold potential. There, there is bits of gold, but I think copper is, is the greater uh, area of interest here. But there is, there is, people might know, there is actually gold. There's, there's a gold mine up in County, uh, County Tyrone, which is operational. So there is lots of gold in Ireland. And there's gold in Monaghan and parts of uh, Wicklow and Mayo as well. So there is, there is gold out there. But not necessarily here with us in West Cork. We'll stick with the copper and just hope yeah. that we don't get any more of these sinkholes. Uh, that's yeah. what a lot of people are worried about. Okay, so you've collected all the data now from uh, Cork. What's the next phase then of the, the tele-survey for you guys? Well, we're going to sort of go back towards more the Midlands. So we've actually done the northern half of the country. And we're probably next year, we're, we're just finalising our plans, but it might be more kind of a Tipperary, Offaly, Leash area. We did Waterford a few years ago, so we're putting the jigsaw pieces together and I say hopefully we'll be finished the whole country in about three or four years' time. Oh, it's a fascinating uh, study. Listen, thank you for sharing it with us, uh, Jim. Uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Dr. Jim Hutchins, who joins us, uh, Senior Geologist for the Tell Us uh, Project. But just, I just, when we, that landed on our desk, it was just the fact that we had so many calls in about that low flying plane that I thought it was interesting. Inter- I was very interested to find out what exactly they had uh, discovered. But I w- was really hoping that they may have been able to give us some more information about the mining, the mine shafts in West Cork, because people are concerned about that large sinkhole that we spoke about outside of ha- Allahys and people worried now, could we see more of these sinkholes appear because when you tie that in with the listener who contacted us the concerned residents uh, who said that older people in olden times farmers wouldn't drive on certain roads 
but you know, you know the generations have gone on and people have forgotten what's underneath the ground or what isn't underneath the ground in, in many cases when a large sinkhole like this opens up and people just fear for we can see more of the same. Bernie is taking your calls at 1850 333 103 Annelise Dressel, our nutritional therapist will be joining us in the next hour so if you've got a question for Annalise you can start getting that into us please and you can text our WhatsApp any of your questions as well to 0862103103 we'll, we'll kick it off now we are opening the text lines our WhatsApps you can text your WhatsApp your cheesy jokes please because all this week we have teamed up with Cozy Cafe, which is in Church Square in Kinsale, and they have cheese fondue nights that they're running across October, November and December. We've got a special fondue night for C103 on Sunday, the 3rd of November. So to enter this competition, you've got to be available, you and four of your mates, to go to the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale on that particular night to attend a cheese fondue night. But how do you win? We want to hear your cheesiest jokes, please. So you need to get your cheesy jokes into us. But please, only by text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We will select a daily prize winner. We'll run this every day this week. So we will give away five prizes by the end of the week. It's a fantastic prize. And if you want to find out more about the cheese fondue nights at the Cozy Cafe Church Square in Kinsale, can I direct you please to their website, which is cozycafe.net. www cozycafe.net So your cheesiest jokes please get working on those. We also want your questions please for Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist. You can text or WhatsApp those questions or you can call Bernie at 1850 Keep your cheesy jokes coming. If nothing else you are brightening up my day. I have to I have to say that. Now we're only accepting cheesy jokes by text and WhatsApp because Poor Bernie has refused point blank uh, to sit on the phones and answer jokes because she's got a kind of an unusual sense of humour and not everything makes her laugh. So she says, no way, we're doing it by text or by WhatsApp. So get your cheesy jokes in. Actually, some people have been very clever and their cheesy jokes have a reference to cheese, which is fine as well. Doesn't have to have a reference to cheese. It just has to be a cheesy joke. Your favourite joke at the moment will do us nicely. And this is because we've teamed up with the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale who are running cheese fondue nights. Now they're having one on the 27th of September and then the 10th and 24th of November. And then they're having three in December, the 1st, the 8th and the 15th of December. But we have a special C103 fondue night set aside for Sunday, the 3rd of November when today's winner, along with four of their fl- friends, will be able to go along and have a cheese fondue night. And we have a similar prize to give away every day this week. So you've got to be free on Sunday the 3rd of November and you have to have at least four friends or family members that you can bring with you. Uh, you can check out, if you want to find out more about the cheese fondue nights at the Cozy Cafe in Kinsale, go to their website, please, which is cozycafe.com. Net. But get your cheesy jokes in. We'll leave it open for another few minutes and then we will select today's winner. Text or WhatsApp your jokes to 086 2103103. We're also looking for your questions for Annalise, please. Now you can call Bernie with a question for Annalise, our nutritional therapist, or you can text her WhatsApp. And I can see in the middle of the jokes, there are questions coming in from Annalise as well, which is uh, terrific. Thank you for that. Can I just go back to some of your commentary coming in today? We were talking about... 
um, we were talking about pensions earlier on and we were talking about the ticking time bomb, unfortunately, that we have with regard to pensions and that we need more people to start taking out private pensions. But that isn't always possible. I mean, if you've got people who are barely putting food on the table, the last thing they're going to be thinking of is who's going to feed me when I get older. Pensions are way, way off their uh, radar. Some of your commentary coming in on this. Uh, Patricia, hi. It's sad that people who have worked all of their lives are going to be penalised due to a lack of pension fund availability. The elderly have been forced to remain in work years longer than they expected and that's due to this situation. And then at the other end of the scale, says this listener, we have school listeners who are being placed on all sorts of benefits and they do not seem to be too keen to find employment. Why not use the funds that have been generated by the employed for their early retirement freeing up vital jobs for school leavers. The pension fund would be very healthy if all these youngsters were all working instead of sitting at home waiting for their benefits uh, each week. Um, and I know, thank you for that, I know the last time we looked at unemployment figures and we, you know, we're getting very near to full employment in this country Again, which is great. Now, they're not all very well-paid jobs, people will say, before everyone gets very excited about it. We still have a lot of people who are classed as the working poor and we have the squeezed middle who seem to be paying for everything and even though they're out at work, but they're, they're certainly not flush with money. But when, whenever we look at the unemployment figures, while they're coming down in all of the different age demographics, there, there are a cohort of young people who are deemed long-term unemployed and who don't seem to be finding work. It seems to be, I know certainly the last time we looked at it, it was the one demographic that wasn't falling in the same way that the other demographics were falling, like more women were going back to work, more people in their 30s and 40s were out at work than ever before. But those younger people, and I don't know if there are, they're just not jobs there. I don't know what it is. Or young people pickier about the type of jobs that they want to do. So a listener is making the point that they are the ones that the government should be targeting. And again, as we've heard from many others before, leave the older people alone. Mary in West Cork says, hope this message finds you well. Thank you, uh, Mary. It does indeed. Hope you are well uh, too. In relation to pensions, people on low and middle incomes can't pay into a pension scheme. Why? They simply have no money by the time all the bills have been paid for, says Mary. So it's all well and good for us to be giving advice to people and saying, go out and get your pension. But, you know, what do you do if you literally don't have the money? You don't have anything extra in which to put away even a small amount of money towards your pension every week. Martin is back to us. This was Martin who had suggested that we could put homeless people, we could start housing homeless people on Spike Island. Hi Patricia, first of all, I'm not suggesting we get rid of all of our homeless people by putting them on Spike Island. I was just suggesting the fact that I had lived there once that could it not be viewed as a place for people to live. I can tell you, every day I lived on Spike Island, it was like being on a foreign island. Now, it's as bad as everywhere else in the winter, to be honest, but in the summer, it is only beautiful, says Martin in Fomoy. And I, when I went to visit Spike Island last year, which was around April time, and it was just, well, it was cold. We wrapped up warm, but it was one of those gorgeous you know, those spring days that you get where there's great hope of summer is on the horizon. It was one of those beautiful days. And it was a most beautiful place to be. And I could see, I don't know how long you lived there, Martin, and I could see why you have very fond memories of living there. And you see nothing wrong at all with doing up the houses that are there and offering them to homeless people. It isn't about shoving all the homeless people onto Spike Island, but it's it's giving people an option who are so desperate for a house and, and the, a housing. And they really are. 
on private health insurance. Getting calls in actually from people on private health insurance. I'm quite surprised by this. I would have thought once you had private health insurance and you went looking to see a consultant, you wouldn't be waiting too long. But this was kicked off by one of our listeners who got on to us saying, what was the point of having private health insurance? She was an adjourned Fremont. He says uh, two months, his wife was waiting for an appointment and he's three months waiting and he said you know what is the, the the point and I was really kind of taken aback by that I thought once you had your private health insurance a way off you go and while well, there might be a little bit of wait you wouldn't be waiting excessively someone else says Patricia I've got private health insurance I'm waiting for a CT scan I got a letter in August to say I'm on the list I've just rang to ask when I may get my appointment and and I don't know if this is a misprint in the texting I was told 77 weeks I told her I could be dead by then and her answer was go back to your doctor. Private health insurance is a joke. I would be going back to your doctor. I mean even so, and somebody on public health insurance been asked, on, who doesn't have private health insurance who's in the public system and we know how long people are on waiting lists for various operations and procedures but 77 weeks for a CT scan but as I say I don't know if that's a misprint uh, or not. There are questions coming in for Annalise. Thank you for that. We were talking about the sink hole in Allahy's uh, earlier. Mike in Bantry says, Hi Patricia, there, there's another type of sinkhole. It's called uh, Slugera. It can be found on wet farmland, etc. And that's not linked in any way to mining then, is it? I mean, what with the sinkhole we're talking about in Allahy's is to do with copper mining that was there in the 1800s and right up to, there was done in in the 50s up to the last time there was mine, mining there was in 1962 so I take it that's different is it it's it's to do with wet land thank you for your text to emailing Jared on an email saying you get this is on pensions you get tax relief when you're making contributions and that was the advice from John Lowe saying if you do have money that there's a payback on it and that you'll get tax relief but says Jarrett and he writes but in capital letters you pay tax when you draw down your pension and if you're self-employed a pension is a waste of money and that comes in from Jarrett and I do all I, I've always thought that was wrong that for people who do have private pensions and work very hard to put money into a pension pot and then when it comes to them retiring, you know, they've, in some cases, people have scrimped and scraped to make sure that they will have some money there for themselves when they retire. And then to be taxed on top of it does. It seems wrong when you've already been taxed on that money. You've paid tax when you put it in and then to be retaxed again when you hit old uh, age. 1850 Your last call out for your last few minutes on our cheesy jokes, please, for the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale. Get texting, WhatsApping on those 0862 103 103. And I want to share a lovely story with you. And thank you to Mike who contacted us about this story. And this is one of these act of kindness that kind of makes you feel good about the world and it renews your faith in humanity. Mike was doing a little bit of shopping last week in deals in Mallow. And he was after paying for all of his goods and he decided he'd pick himself up a box of Maltesers. Not for himself. He decided he'd buy them for his wife. And who doesn't love a box of Maltesers? So I'm, I'm assuming they were at or near the counter, the box of Maltesers. So he paid for all the bits and pieces. He said, oh, go on, I'll take a box of those Maltesers. And obviously it's deals, nearly everything there is 150. So the person serving said, 150 please. So Mike started to check and realise he didn't have 150 
in change with him. He actually only had one thirty. So he said, sorry, I don't have enough with me today. I'll leave them. I'll get, you know, I'll get them another day. So he left the Maltesers back and, and off he went. As he was walking out, a lady handed him a box of Maltesers, which she had paid for. Obviously, the woman behind realised what was going on with Mike, that he was short a few bob, a few pence, a few cent, not pence anymore, Patricia, yeah, sorry, a few cent for the Maltesers. And she paid the 150 and then gave it to him. He, Mike said he was so touched by her kindness and says she has restored his faith in humanity and there is nothing like the kindness of strangers. It's just it's just glorious. And Mike, pass it on. You will, I guarantee you, you will get an opportunity. You'll be in a similar situation where you will be able to pass that kindness on to somebody else. So we don't know who the lady is. He didn't get a name or anything like that. Nobody knows who she was. But maybe she's listening and maybe she knows if you are the lady who bought the Maltesers for that gentleman. His name is Mike and he is deeply, deeply touched by your act of kindness. Go you. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Bandon Flower and Garden Club. They're presenting a flower arranging demonstration by Anne Walsh and Anne Moylan from Anne's Flowers in Bandon. It's in the Munster Arms Hotel and it's on tonight at 8 o'clock. Visitors are more than welcome. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board. They've got a donor clinic in St. Joseph's Daycare Centre in Rathmore. And that is on between 6pm and 9pm this evening. The National Learning Network in Bantry are hosting a gardening workshop that's on tomorrow, Tuesday from 10am to 4pm with advice and demonstrations on bedding down plants, growing crops, taking cuttings and more details and bookings are available on 87 And the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind are holding a volunteer and puppy raising information evening at their centre on the Model Farm Road in Cork Wednesday of this week between 7 and half past uh, eight. And there'll be social dancing in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow this Thursday night. Music is by two of a kind. It's at half past twelve. And there's a dance class from half eight to half nine. And admission is ten euro. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And for people who've been contacting us saying that there's a delay, their private health insurance and they're not able to get scans. There was somebody with a CT uh, scan and somebody else with an MRI. A text says tell those people that are waiting for scans to ask their GP to send to refer them to the Martyr Private in Mahan you won't wait that long if you have private health insurance I had an MRI on my shoulder and it was done a couple of weeks ago and I was waiting no time at all and just on traffic if you're heading into the city or you're in the city McCurtain Street is temporarily down to one lane of traffic that's for works so that's going to slow up traffic in the city centre now any uh, issue we one issue that we have certainly discussed before is the uh, t- came up at the last week's Formoy Municipal District meeting and it's the cost of Superloos and this time it's the Superloo in Mitchellstown. Uh, joining me, uh, North Cork uh, Councillor Kay Dawson. Good, good afternoon to you, Kay. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Just remind listeners of the cost to the council for these Superloos. I think every time we mention it, people get quite blown away that they're, they're quite expensive. Yeah, it's, it's, we were doing budget last Tuesday and I suppose that's when it came before us again. And it was 35,000 service contract for the um, Superloos. For the Mitchell Town one. Yeah, and it's, it, this is the thing. It's a, it's, it's a contract. It's a contract, yeah. 
How long has the toilet... that was entered into before I was a county councillor. But I suppose there was a history in Mitchestown in that we did have a toilet facility while it was poor and there was a lot of issues with it. When they were revamping the square, it became a real bone of contention as to whether you provide toilets or not. And there was a strong feeling that they still wanted public toilets available in the square. And this was the solution that was found at that time. And they do work. They're, they're all they're spotlessly clean. They're very clean. well mentioned. Yeah. I would say one of the disadvantages is I think some people have a fear of them um, because you it's, a, it's an automatic door and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know. If you're anyway, cla- yeah, yeah, if you're, class, maybe, if you're claustrophobic. Maybe the door would open. No, it has never happened. But you know, that fear element. And I would get quite a lot from the businesses in the square and even for the community centre, we have a beautiful community centre of Forest Hall on the square, that a lot of the public come into those premises looking for to use the toilets. Rather than use the Superloo? Yeah. Now, it's only 50 cents to use it. It's, it's not a cost thing. I, 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 I think... Um, I, I think that fear bit is, is, a, is a problem. You know, okay, about so, what the mechanics of it. So, there, like therefore, therefore, it's not overused, is what you're I saying either. That, yeah. is, that would be my take. And definitely judging by my conversations with the businesses on the square and that community centre, they, they are being asked a lot for the, to use their bathrooms. Your fellow councillor, Noel McCarthy, has suggested replacing it with a permanent one. Yes, and um, well, I suppose the first thing we were going to do is, is look at how long that contract is for, you know, see where we stand with the Superloo in Mitchestown's moment. And when that meeting was only last Tuesday, we'll have answers from that in the next couple of days. And then see, they're talking about building one, they're talking about, But then you see, the one that I would see as a county councillor living in Mitchestown, we don't have the luxury of my we don't have as many council staff um, to maintain going forward. If you go for to build something and then maintain it, right? Mm. Um, we, I would be still fighting. We want to service from Edgestone. And so in that, I would want a lot of information before I'd make any decision on, on what we're going to do going forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you see the problem, and this isn't just a problem for Mitchellstown or indeed anywhere in North Cork or anywhere in Cork, there's always a problem with antisocial behaviour around public toilets and them getting, and unless there's staff on top of keeping them clean, they can be disgusting. They, they can become horrendous. I mean, that's what happened, obviously, with the old one in Mitchellstown. I can remember the old one and I wouldn't have used it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, I'm now saying that it was of its time. There is one for my... But I think a NASA to that is its, its situation and the fact that you have the tourist office beside it. Mm. So there's activity near it and then it's closed up at night. Do you know? But you'd need all of that in place. And then you'd need a good service contract again and that's not going to be cheap as to who's going to maintain this and who's going to keep it in the manner that you would feel happy and comfortable to go in and use it. Do you know? Well, there's no point having a toilet if it's so disgusting nobody's going to go in there. You might as well not, not have one well, at all. Yeah, it know. does. It does. Yeah. Would have you an idea in your head where you would suggest erecting a permanent toilet in Mitchellstown? Well, I would imagine. I don't know the people that fought at the time for for the toilet to be maintained. Um, if that was, just, you know, there was strong passion and feeling at that time, and that was to relocate it back on the square in Mitchellstown. Okay. That's where the buses pull up. That's where you have 
um, activity. So, so the location of the Superloop is probably in the right place. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'd be interesting to look at other things. I've seen it, 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 solutions in the continent in that you'd be offered as a business um, enticements from your local authority that if you allow yourself to be used kind of by the public like that, that you maybe pay less rates or, you know, that there's some benefit to you. That would be a suggestion worth looking Isn't at. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I and then you'd be guaranteed heard. a clean toilet, you know. Yeah, and I haven't heard of, have you heard of any other areas doing that? I haven't heard of them being done in Ireland, but they have been done in Europe. Yeah, I think I certainly think that that's that's one worth worth uh, looking at. Also, when you find out, I know you're trying to find out what's left on the contract. Do you get a breakdown of how many people actually, pardon the pun, spent a penny? You actually <laughs> used the super low. To the best of my knowledge, the, the the money that goes into the machine would be your only way of knowing that. Yeah. Who gets you that know, money? I would say the contractor gets that. Oh, yeah. I wonder what I, you, get... you see, I know from, because I'm in the tidy towns, I'm on the square a lot, you know. Yeah. I would see tourists use it. Yeah. Uh, especially if a busload comes from someplace and they pull into town for an hour or whatever, right? They will definitely use it. Um, the amount of local people that use it, I haven't seen many. And that's just, you know, that's a personal observation. I have no stats. Yeah, and then people are just using local businesses or they go in and have a cup of coffee somewhere and use, yeah, and, yeah. And use them that way. Yeah. All right, okay, listen, uh, I'd be interested to when you hear back when what's left yeah, on the contract. When I, when I, when I, yeah, when I have actual figures and things on it, I'll come back to you. Please do, please do. Because I'm sure, I'm, oh, I'm open to correction, but I'm sure at the time that they all signed in on 10-year contracts, which at 37,000, that's 370,000 euros. It's, a lot. It's, it's massive money, but you see... We can look at that as mass money, but if you could pay someone then to maintain a toilet, to build a toilet and get a good service, you, you, it's not as if the option is for something else is that it's free, do you know? I know, I know, I know. All right, listen, Kay, good to talk to you. Thank you for that. And thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks. Uh, that Bye-bye. is uh, Councillor Kay Dawson from Mitchellstown joining us about the cost of the Superloo. And that's, if you have a Superloo in your town, it's that's the same cost everywhere. It's uh, 37,000 is the annual cost, but it's the fact that they're Obviously, the companies who produce these superloos have to tie councils in for them to make their money back on it. But they are very, very expensive indeed. And it's money that could be used and spent somewhere else for sure. OK, cheesy jokes. Thank you. <laughs> Huge number of jokes uh, coming in. Now, I've gone down through all of the jokes that we have received. And I lots and lots of them made me laugh. The one that made me laugh the most. Now, some of them are people are putting cheese into it. It doesn't have to be cheese. But funny enough, the one that's won today is the one that made me laugh out loud and it does have cheese in it. And the joke is, I have a cheesy joke for you. What do you call cheese that isn't yours? Not your cheese. <laughs> now that other people are not probably even getting that that just tickled my fancy not your cheese ok that is Adele McCarthy from Enniskeen congratulations to you Adele you have won our first table for five people you and four of your friends will be joining us for a special fondue night at the Cozy Cafe on Church Square in Kinsale on Sunday the 3rd of November they are running cheese fondue nights in the 27th of October in November the 10th and 24th and then 3 in December 1st, 
8th and 15th but we have a special fondue night on Sunday the 3rd of November every day this week we'll be giving away one of the tables which is for the winner plus four friends five people going along for a cheese fondue night it sounds like fun and if you want to find out more about it you can go to their website cosycafe.net to find out more about their fun do nights. We will look for more of your jokes tomorrow. As I say, Adele's happen to be with cheese in it. There are others with cheese. It doesn't have to be. Just a cheesy joke. Whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. But well done to Adele, our first winner. OK, Bernie has been taking your questions, please, for Annalise. And I've also can see questions coming in by text and by WhatsApp. Keep those coming, please, because we're going to take a break and then we are back with Annalise Drissel answering all of your nutritional questions today. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. And Annalise Drussell from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic joining us. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And I mentioned you only last week when we were talking about how everyone was so shocked when the finance bill was announced because it certainly wasn't announced in the budget speech. The 13, now it's 13.5% on certain food supplements. Yeah, and I think it'll probably encompass most of them, Patricia, really. I think they're just talking about maybe the likes of folic acid and possibly B12 uh, will be that exempt. But, yeah, it was a big surprise, Patricia, because um, John McGuinness, who's the chairman for the Joint Oireachtas um, Committee on Finance, they're kind of a a cross-party group and they make recommendations to the government um, in general on finance for the country. And they recommended that we legislate at 0% fat on health supplements. So for some reason, the minister has completely ignored those recommendations. Um, and it was a big surprise. But now the bill has not been passed yet. So I still think we should fight this by contacting our local TDs. There was a huge public outcry the last time. And I think that's what's so disappointing is that just, I mean, obviously I, from a business perspective, would be worried because I think it'll put a lot of small businesses, health shops out of business. But just from a personal perspective, Patricia, it's not what the people want, you know, and the government really are there to represent and do what the people want. So I think we all should still fight the fight, get in touch with local TDs and get this, do not let them pass us. It's going to become, uh, come before the the Doyle by, I suppose, late November, early December. There's a few other steps in between. But if we can stop them from passing this, it, um, you know, it'll, it'll stop that fat going on our health supplement. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, as we mentioned when we spoke about it on Friday and when we spoke about this earlier, earlier in the year, because of course it got stopped when it was meant to be introduced on the 1st of March. This is taxing people who are trying to safeguard and look after their own health. That's really what it is. Absolutely, Patricia. And also for a lot of people, it's keeping them out of um, doctors, waiting rooms yeah. and hospitals, you know. Um, we'll just take one supplement, for example. Um, I have a supplement here called Cardio K that is effectively keeping people's cholesterol under control, uh, which is what all doctors are looking to try and do for anybody over the age of 50. And it's doing it at a cost of six euros a month. So, it's you know, these these health products really do help save lives. Um, regardless of, of, you know, what the Minister for Finance actually said, he did, would not recommend um, health supplements for people to keep them healthy. It actually does. It does keep people healthy and it also can save people's lives. So, okay. so get on. Great. As we mentioned on Friday, get on to your local TD and, and let them know how angry you are. 
Okay, let's go straight into questions for Annalise. Uh, kicking off with this one. Question for Annalise. I've got a small patch of psoriasis at the back of my head. It's actually in my hair. Uh, extremely itchy. Could Annalise recommend anything, please? So psoriasis is always a difficult one because it's not, it's, um, psoriasis involves the immune system. So what's happening, it's almost like an autoimmune condition, Patricia, like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, but it affects the skin. And what happens is that the skin is always turning itself over and we lose skin daily. But with psoriasis, it's going at such a rapid speed that it builds up into these kind of itchy plaques of skin on the scalp or on the body, wherever it may be. So because it's an immune condition, it's very much linked with managing and balancing your immune system. And that can be very complex. But at the most basic, an omega-3 fish oil supplement would be uh, recommended for for anything to do with autoimmune and psoriasis. And also um, probably about 2,500 to 3,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. So they would be good supplements to take to rebalance from the inside. And then there is a balm made from something called Oregon grape root. And it's very high in certain chemicals in plants called polyphenols. And these are massively anti-inflammatory. So that can be a good balm to use on the outside of the skin. Um, I know that Viridian is a company, they do one, and you should be able to get it in any health shop. So that's called Oregon grape root balm. Okay, hi, this is from Mary. Could you ask Annalise if she could recommend a tonic, please, that you can take... um, but without this per- this person is allergic to fish and is on tablets for reflux. So is there any tonic you can take for somebody who's allergic to fish? Absolutely. Oh, obviously they can't take any of the fish oils. Okay, yeah. Yeah, none of the fish oils. Um, now, you might be able to take a krill oil if you, if you uh, really, really wanted to take an omega-3 supplement. And there are also vegan ones that come from algae. So you shouldn't be allergic to those. But in a tonic form, actually we're going to be spoiled for choice because... Uh, a lot of the su- supplements now have been um, uh, formulated to be suitable for vegans and they will definitely not have anything fish in there. So the source of light gold is always one of my favourite ones because it's a blend of um, loads of different superfoods that provide you with all the basic multivitamins and minerals. But there's loads of other stuff in there to boost the immune system like the beta-glucans. There's, um, there's herbs in there that are fantastic for giving you a little bit of an energy kick like ginseng. So you get a great nutrient uh, build over the course of taking a bottle in the month, but you get that immediate energy kick from the ginseng. So, And that's definitely a vegetarian suitable for all vegetarians, so no fish in there. Okay, Catherine says, uh, Hi Annalise, I had bloods done six months ago and both times calcium was a bit up. Can, can a thyroid gland cause this problem? If not, what could be causing it? So now I suppose there's a number of things that could be causing it. It's probably more to do with the pituitary, actually, Patricia, which is involved in in, um, the absorption of calcium. So calcium is such an important mineral in our body, not just for our bones, but it's also used as a buffer in our body to keep the pH balanced. Um, It plays a role in nerve impulse transmission. So it does a lot of other jobs besides building bone. So the body will um, absorb more calcium from the diet when it needs it and less calcium from the diet if it doesn't need it. So it's, it's able to adapt. Other reasons that calcium would be high, as a, for in, you know, other than the pituitary causing you to absorb more, could be taking too much vitamin D, um, having too much calcium in the diet, number one, or possibly excess breakdown of bone. So is there some reason maybe that this person's bone is being broken down at a more rapid rate? That would That would also be another reason. But unless it's a long-term thing, it can often happen 
because it'll depend sometimes on what you've eaten the day before. When you get your bloods tested, minerals in your blood are not entirely accurate. So it only should be an issue if it happens over second and third blood tests. Um, and if there's kidney problems, that would be another another thing to look at as well. OK, good luck with that, uh, Catherine. Hi, uh, Patricia, could you ask Annalise? I'm 64. I'm on blood pressure tablet and a cholesterol tablet. But I have a terrible taste in my mouth in the morning and throughout the day. Don't drink, don't smoke, I do wear dentures, but I use a mouthwash. What could be causing this bad taste in okay. my mouth? So it could be a couple of different things, Patricia, but the most likely one is that there's possibly a little bit of acid reflux coming at night time. So when you lie down at night, if that little valve isn't tight, tight at the top of your stomach, you can get a leakage of acid up and it would cause a very bad taste in your mouth. Um, the other thing as well, of course, at night is that, you know, our mouth isn't um, as lubricated as it would be during the day because we're not eating or drinking or we're not talking. So bad odours can build up in the mouth. It could be a bacterial issue. So if the tongue is very coated in this case, it's probably more to do with the bacteria in the mouth than it is to do with a bit of acid reflux. So if it's acid reflux, try um, a supplement called Zinc Carnosin. It's spelled C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N and it's by a company called Quest. You'll get it in any health shop and that's good to kind of help manage the acid and tighten up that little valve. There's another herb that's very good for that called Centaurium. And Dr. Vogel does a tincture with Centaurium. Again, you'll get it in any health store. So you could try either of those if you think it's a little bit of acid reflux. But if it's a mouth issue, um, using a mouthwash might necessarily help. So there's a couple of things you could do. You could take a probiotic, which will get the bacteria right from the gut upwards. And you could also do something called oil pulling, where you put a tablespoon of oil within into the mouth and you literally swish it around your mouth, Patricia, for about five to ten minutes in between the teeth all around the mouth. And especially coconut oil are very good for creating a healthy environment for the good bacteria and getting rid of any nasty bacteria that could be causing mouth odour. Listen, wants to know, are roasted peanuts good or bad for you? Um, so peanuts, in moderation, I suppose, are good for you. If they're salted, probably the salt would be an issue in terms of salt blood pressure link. Uh, roasting things, generally when we char things or we blacken them, it does create chemicals that are unhealthy for us, um, especially when it comes to fats. However, I don't think roasted peanuts would be so charred that it would be, you know, they would have those major carcinogenic compounds in there. So what I would say, probably on the whole, not unhealthy but definitely consume within moderation. Uh, hi Patricia, I heard Annalise say that magnesium was good to help you sleep. There are a lot of different brands on the market. I'm wondering which would be the easiest ones on your stomach. I am menopausal. I twist and turn. I find it very hard to sleep. I'm wondering is it just all part of menopause? Yes, I think it probably is if it's, if it's a new occurrence and if it coincides with other menopausal symptoms. So in that case, really, I'd nearly recommend a menopause supplement to get to the root of the problem. Um, so there's various different ones. You can take ones that are made up of plant-based estrogens and these mimic, very mildly mimic estrogen in our body so they can help. Um, a good health shop will have a variety of different ones that they could recommend. But I know that Dr. Vogel do um, menopause support that has those plant estrogens in there. Um, Dr. Marilyn Glenville has a very good menopause supplement as well. 
So you could try taking those and they will just help rebalance everything else. And then the best magnesium to take at night is magnesium glycinate because it's much better absorbed, so it's much easier. It tends not to cause the loose stool that a lot of magnesium can cause. The other lovely thing, of course, is that glycine is a precursor to one of our calming neurotransmitters. So the glycine will also aid sleep. So there's a number of different brands that have got um, magnesium biglycinate in there. I know Terranova do a lovely one. You can get it in tablet or powder form. And again, you'll get that in any health shop, um, either Terranova and there's another one called Prismag that you might get as well. They're both magnesium biglycinate. Because Mary's friend has been suffering menopause for the last 16 years, Mary said. Mary wants to know, how long does it last? Oh God, love her is all I can say. Um, you see, a lot of us me- um, women, we don't really, we haven't heard a lot about a menopause because our own mothers took HRT. So um, when women start getting all these symptoms, they don't know if they're going crazy or not. And unless their hormones are visible, visibly changed on a blood test, the doctor says, no, 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 you're not menopausal. So a lot of women have the symptoms even before their periods stop. So it's very different for everybody, Patricia. I mean, 16 years sounds like a very cruel length of time to be suffering menopause symptoms, but that's not actually uncommon. I do have customers who are still getting the odd flush in their 70s. So I suppose the best thing to do really is to take the natural route and try and um, sage is wonderful for hot flushes. So um, a sage supplement would be good for that. And then the other me- take another menopause supplement because, you know, oestrogen has had so many protective effects in terms of our mood, our bones. There's lots of other things it does besides our menstrual cycle. So it is supporting a lot more in our bodies. So to take a natural supplement that has mildly oestrogenic properties, unless you have a history of oestrogenic cancers in your family, is perfectly safe and would be great for your bones and skin as well. Well, Something I haven't heard before, but a listener said, just wondering, could Annalise offer advice what's best for GAV, G-A-V-E disorder? It's a gastric, gastric stomach disorder. Gosh, I, I haven't heard of that myself. No. I wonder is it something to do with um with um It causes I'm, I'm just look I'm just doing a quick um we maybe Google cover search. That next yeah cuz it's it's, it's to do with it's uh, it's a call, it's chronic gastrointestinal bleeding and iron deficiency anemia Oh my gosh okay Okay so, all right I mean that's that's very extreme I'll look it up and I'll have more answers next Perfect. week but I do know there are certain things that are very healing for the gut um things like slippery elm gamma arisinal and the L-glutamine. And of course, the good bacteria also will create um, a, a healthy environment for gut cells. But we'll go into that maybe in more detail more, okay. next week. Uh, listener says, hi, Nora and Donrell. Any idea or advice for varicose veins? Anything that you can do? Yeah, so varicose veins, horse chestnut is generally the best for varicose veins. And you can get it as a, um, our hawthorn is wonderful as well for veins and for anything circulatory, if you have poor circulation. So you can take those either as an oral supplement. So you'll get horse chestnut. Uh, Dr. Vogel is a brand that does it or Jean de Vries does a hawthorn one. Most health shops will have them. And then you can also get it in the form of a gel. And that's wonderful if the veins are sore because you can put that gel into the fridge and you can put the cold gel then onto hot, tired, achy legs. So taking the horse chestnut and using the horse chestnut either as a cream or gel is the best approach. OK, we'll leave it there. Have a good week. We'll chat to you again Thanks, next Monday. Patricia. Thanks. That's Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballangolic. I'm going on during this time I fear there's no one to save me 
your soul and nothing really got away You're driving me crazy I need somebody to hear, somebody to know Somebody to have, somebody to hold It's easy to say, but it's never the same I guess I kinda like the way you know all the pain Now the day bleeds into nightfall And you're not here to get me through it all I let my gut down and then you pull the rug I was getting kinda used to being someone I'm going under in this time I fear there's no one to turn to This all and nothing way of loving Go be sleeping without you I need somebody to know Somebody to hear Somebody to have Just to know how it feels It's easy to say But it's never the same I guess I kinda like the way you help me escape Now the day bleeds into nightfall And you're not here to get me through it all I let my gut down and then you pull the rug I was getting kinda used to being someone you love And I tend to close my eyes when it hurts sometimes I That's Susie from Lewis Capaldi on C103 and that is uh, Someone to Love. Can I say happy birthday to Mary Hazelwood from Castletown Roche, who I'm told is 90 years young today. Happy birthday to you, Mary. All of your family, hoping that you're having the happiest of days. And when we were talking about random acts of kindness to strangers, this is said, Patricia, I was in Dunn's yesterday. I gave my five euro voucher to the people behind me and they were ever so grateful. Uh, well done. OK, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.